Please turn in your Bibles tonight to the book of 1 John, not the Gospel of John, toward the back of your Bible in 1 John, and we're going to be looking at the first chapter. The songs we sang tonight really go along with the message last Wednesday night as we shared the 51st Psalm and David's repentance, and it's going to be very similar tonight as we talk about fellowship with God. In these basic Bible doctrines we've been sharing, we have talked about our assurance as children of God. We've talked about our security. We've talked about the child of God returning after being out of the will of God. And tonight we're going to talk about fellowship with God. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, John writes, That which was from the beginning, which we heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of Him, and declare unto you, that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him... And walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. We usually do not consider the depths of this word fellowship, especially Baptists. Let me ask you something. You be honest. You just answer yourself. But, but when we mention fellowship, does a casserole dinner in the fellowship hall come to your mind sometimes? That, it, it does. It does. We don't think of the depth of fellowship. The definition of fellowship is something shared in common one with another. And somebody's thinking right now, well, I've shared a casserole. With, with brothers and sisters in Christ in the fellowship hall. We've, we've shared meals together. Yes, we have, but there is something so much important that we share together. We share salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ, one with another. And we share the work of the ministry while we are on this earth, while God is building His kingdom, while we are here. So when we think of fellowship, you might consider some people you've never met before because everyone here hasn't met every missionary that this church supports. 
You know, there are missionaries 2,000 miles away and you have fellowship with them because we are in the work. We share the work together with them. We're not going, but we send support and prayers to those who do go. So you understand, we're, we're very distant from some people and we're having fellowship together because it's all, all about sharing something in common one with another. But there's not only fellowship with one another. We could talk about that all night long. But there's another kind of fellowship with one who is unlike any other. And that is God. You and I share something in common with our creator, with our father in heaven. We, he has shared the things of heaven with you and I. We are joint heirs with Christ. And we share with Almighty God. Some folks just don't believe that can happen. But I tell you what John does. John does as he is writing by the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Writing the word of God. He believes that you and I have fellowship with God. And remember in the book of 1 John that this book is written in the continuous sense. So we are talking tonight about a continuous sharing with God that we have daily in our lives. And John is going to impart the details of fellowship with God to you and I. This blessedness that we have in common with God continually in experience. In one sense, I could say that you and I stand on holy ground with God. And John tells us all about our fellowship with the Father daily. Last week, we shared David's plea for pardon and cleansing from his sin in repentance. The backsliding Christian can be restored to the will of God. We, we understand by this that no Christian is above slipping into sin and that there's going to be the desire of the child of God to be back in the will of God when they go astray. What's the difference in someone who attends church? Maybe they made a profession of faith, but let's say they just never were saved and they go off in the world and they stay in the world and they never return. And then, but then there's the person who was truly born again. They were saved and they trusted the Lord as their Savior. And they were, they were around a while. Then all of a sudden they are gone. How, how do you know one is saved? Well, they are going to have a desire to return to the will of God. They are go going to want to leave that far country that they've gone to. And they're going to want to come back home to God. To be saved and out of the will of God is to be lacking and to be discontent until sin is dealt with and that we're right with God. I know we heard a lot about that stuff last week. And we're going to talk about it again this week as we talk about fellowship with God because one of the most important things we've got to consider as children of God when we think about fellowship with God is the danger of fellowship. 
And when I say that, don't misunderstand me. There's no danger in fellowship with God. But there is danger of falling out of fellowship with our Father. There is a danger in that. And and we all must be sensitive. And we all must think about this. Sin breaks fellowship with God. But there's a restoring of that fellowship with the Father that we're going to see tonight. There is having that fellowship with God. It's something we possess. It is something that we experience daily. And daily fellowship with God is, verse 4, how your joy may be full. A joyful Christian life is going to be spent in sharing the things of heaven that God has shared with us. It's being brought into things in common with God and having that experience. That is joy. That creates a continual, remember continuous sense. We're talking about a continual experience of joy in our lives by fellowship with God. So we must very, very urgently consider the dangers of falling out of fellowship. And the first thing I want us to consider is no denial. You know, denial is not just a river in Egypt. You understand? I thought that might fall kind of flat, but I'm glad I'm not here to tell jokes tonight, but that we might learn and and remember and be refreshed on fellowship with God. Look at verses 8 and verse 10. It says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. We can't have fellowship with God and deny our sin. We can have one or the other. But look, we're not having both. Having fellowship with God comes down to obeying his instructions and saying that we are sinners. Man, you know, I know people show up on Wednesday night and they're tired from work and and a little discouraged maybe. And and it's just not every week. It's not about heaven, you know. So I want to ask you to join with me tonight to repeat after me. I'm a sinner. I sin. We're, We're lifted up, aren't we? You know what? We're lifting. We're lifted up in truth when we do that. And when we tell our sins to God. Now, let's just. Verbalize out loud a list of our sins to God. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. But this must happen. If there's going to be forgiveness experienced in our lives. And if we are going to have daily fellowship with God. There is going to be no denial of our sin. And we're going to deal with that daily with God. There's going to be no detour around sin. This whole world is trying to detour around sin in so many ways. But Paul says in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 22, But the scripture hath concluded all under sin. Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, For there is not a just man on the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. So we understand this truth, you know, but not everyone does. And sometimes it's not their fault. I have been to a lot of what you would call evangelistic events. 
in, in my time as a child of God. And that's, the title of that is right on point with some, and it's really stretching things for others. Because I have sat in services before, and I wasn't looking for it. I wasn't sitting there with a critical spirit. But it, it was so easy to detect a great effort that was unfortunately going on. And that effort was not to say the word sin. I, I've been through a service, and supposedly evangelistic, for a, so a soul can be saved from their sins. But you didn't hear the word sin. You know, and like I say, I wasn't looking for it. But when you hear somebody saying, we have messed up. You know, we have made mistakes. There have been accidents and error in our life. I'm thinking, my goodness, is the, that was the focus of the entire night. Not to say something, not to say a word that the Bible says over 800 times. And that's not including iniquities and, and trespasses or things like that. We are sinners and we sin. It is offensive to God. And I wouldn't be exaggerating to say that sin is an attack on God. And we need to be sensitive to this. We need to consider this when we're thinking about fellowship with God. To be forgiven is to see it this way, is to see it this way, that we are sinners and our sin offends God. That's the only way to come before God and deal with it. If someone refuses to see it this way, which there's many different ways talked about that are the wrong way in the world, but if anybody refuses to see it this way, there is no forgiveness from God. And I mean, if, if someone thinks that they are really good and good enough that that they're good enough for God without Jesus Christ, there is no forgiveness. And of course, there is no fellowship with God. That's the truth. Now, I'm not saying you can't have another idea because there are a lot of other ideas in the world. And I'm not just speaking secularly. I'm talking about in religion. You can walk into some places that look like a sanctuary and they have other ideas of, about this just as well as the world does. You know, there, there's a different attitude about sin. The evolutionary attitude is that man is getting better and better. That, that, that's the attitude that, that there is an evolving from a monkey to us. And, and I guess we're not finished yet. And, and, and there's going to be a pinnacle finishing point for the human being that we're going to get to. That's what they say. I, it, it looks like man's decaying to me and we're not getting better. We're getting worse and worse. And, but, but that's one attitude about it. There's an educational attitude about it. That we can just learn and learn and learn and be taught to rise above sin. You can go to college for 24 years if you want. But you're not going to rise above sin. Sin's still going to be sin and it's still going to be in a person. Education's not going to do it. The scientific approach is that there is going to be a solving of the mysteries of nature. And man is going to be set free from sin. That, that's one thought. Sociology would say that we are okay. It's our surroundings that are the problem. And how about psychology? Why don't you just psych yourself up to be able to rise above your guilt? Just psych and psych and psych all you want and, and try to do that. Man, the, I mean, the college classrooms, they're, they're really 
prospering. It's in the wrong way. But man, they are reeling kids every day on that psychology. They are getting roped into it. Be careful. Religion says learn spiritual things. Live the best you can. Love yourself. And you're just probably going to be able to leap into acceptance with God. And after every man-made solution to sin is taken to the max, sin is still going to be there unfazed, unscathed. Sin is going to be destroying still. Sin is going to be... The wounding power of sin, a band-aid is not put on it by all of these man-made things if you put them together and it won't last a minute against sin and there will be no removal of sin there will be no removal of guilt by only one way there's only one way only God delivers from sin and he does it in a very simple way by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ God has a remedy for sin for you and I and by being saved That brings you and I into fellowship. Fellowship with God. Sharing in common things with our Father daily in our lives. There's no detour around sin except by God's plan. God's plan through Jesus Christ. We need to be careful about the dangers of falling from fellowship. Also... Because of deception. First of all. Let's consider the difference in relationship and fellowship. Because sin cannot take away your relationship. I mean, what is a relationship with God? It is trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ who made a complete sacrifice, taking our penalty on the cross for our sins and was buried and Jesus Christ was raised from the dead in victory over all of our sins. Okay? So there is no removal of the relationship for the Christian because of sin. But... Fellowship is destroyed because of sin. Fellowship is severed because of sin. Sin can destroy our fellowship with God. So let us be aware and beware of walking around in sin that has not been dealt with. As though everything is fine in life. So many seem to do this. And that's lying to self, it's lying to others, and it's lying to God. Granddaddy grew up in a little East Texas town. He drove me by the patch of woods one day and said that was the town, that was the town square. And I guess his memory just got to going. And he mentioned a man that used to hang out in town square, and he always had a story for everyone. And it was usually a lie. And if you caught him in that lie the first two or three times he told it, he would laugh it off with you. But if he had been around telling that lie for, to quite a few people in town, and then you tried to call, call him out, he'd get downright mad with you. Look, because he believed that lie. He, he had been so long in it that he, he believed what he was saying. How did he do that? Why did he do that? He deceived his own self. 
I tell you what, this is a verse. What is it? It's, it's verse 8. That verse ought to, ought to scare us to death. That verse ought to at the least really make us want to keep ourselves in check as children of God. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. We could just think about that all night. What a tragedy that is. What a, what a danger that is. That is a dangerous place to be. A place of being deceived. Because if sin severs our fellowship with God. And we can be deceived in our sin. We can be severed from fellowship for maybe quite a long time. Before we realize what's going on. And there is no prospering there. There is no prospering when we're not in fellowship with God. Several years ago, we were playing volleyball in the gym, just as we do these days. And, and one of our young adults would, uh, anytime he thought somebody, that he, he hit the ball and it went in, but they said it went out, he would say, cheaters never prosper. And, I mean, he was close. I mean, it, it was in there. But Proverbs twenty eight thirteen says, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. This is healthy, joyful, honest, pure fellowship with God. It's something daily for our lives. Bringing our sin before God with a broken and contrite heart in confession. We need to be mindful that we need help with that. We need to think about that all the time. I was communicating with Pastor Stone earlier this week, and I was talking about how, you know, the preacher will preach negative on routine. Make sure church isn't routine. Don't get in the habit of church being routine. But I tell you what, in, in recent days, I, I miss routine. I, I miss a good routine. I miss a godly routine. I know you do too. You miss routine and you are so you are so excited and so needful of this routine that we have in church in our lives that all ministries might be going again, that we might be back to doing everything that we were doing because worship in God's house and being under the authority and the power of the word of God Keeps helps us to keep these things in check. And look, we desperately need this help because the assembling of God's people together and sharing the scriptures, it casts light upon our sin. And thank God it does so that we can be helped by God, by the power of God, that we might deal with this, that we might have good old Holy Spirit conviction in our lives. Because we always have things to deal with going on. You know, there, there are many members of this church who cannot attend church all the time because of health issues and things like that. Maybe, maybe monthly. You might see them monthly. But there are others who could be here all the time, yet they're here monthly. 
And you might have to say that some people just want a religious experience in general on their resume. But not that personal conviction where there's the probing of the life by the power of the Word of God and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. But I, think, I, I say thank God for the, for the targeting of the Holy Spirit upon our guilt to help us to deal with these things. Because see, we see these things in a different light when we start understanding it. This is the love of God. And this is the desire of God that nothing hinder us and nothing be in the way of our fellowship with God. He is helping us to see, to be able to deal with the things that would cause us to be distant from our God. So thank God for that good old Holy Spirit conviction and a process that pleases God. Because after the committing of sin, what's a process we're thinking of that we see here? There is the, the casting of light upon our sin. There is the conviction of sin. There is the confession of sin. And hey, there is the, the cleansing, the cleansing of sin from our life from God to restore our fellowship, that our fellowship may be great as it can possibly be. And this is a mandatory process for fellowship with God, what we're talking about tonight. It's mandatory that we do it. And it's a daily process. It's a continual process in our lives. There's no doing everything else in Christianity and avoiding this plan of God that keeps us in fellowship with God. Because sin plugs up the line and sin messes it up. And so God is helping us to stay in fellowship with Him. And so hidden sin going on, this is enough tonight to make you and I reflect on our lives that we just might become honest before God and that anything that is holding back what God's desire is for us with him, that, that we might give it to him and confess it, that there be no deceptions in our lives and no disagreement, no disagreement. Verse 9 says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That word confess means to agree with God. So it's more than God, I'm sorry for sinning today. It's agreeing with God about it. How, how, do, how do we know where God is on it? He says it in his word. We, we can look it up in his word. We can tell God what he says about what we've done. And we can tell him we agree with this in our lives. That's, that's what we do. We agree with God. When should we do this? Right then when I was thinking about that this week. I got a Charlie horse in my leg. And guess how quick I got up and tried to walk that thing out. Immediately. When do we confess our sins to God? Immediately. Immediately we, we, we claim this promise of God. That he will cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Jesus does that for all of us. And he does it for us always. If we confess our sins, he is faithful 
faithful to forgive us of all of our sins. No disagreement with God. And we confess it immediately. See, when the saint is right with God, he's not declared sinless. He's daily dealing with his sins, with God, and confessing them, and being forgiven. But let's close with the last point on on no dealing. As we look in verse 9. Because as we kind of mentioned earlier, there's some other thoughts out there tonight. There are a lot of people viewing online. And there's someone out there tonight, maybe here tonight, that just has another thought about sin. Lo and behold, I, I talked to somebody who used to be a member of this church trying to get them to come back. And they have a different thought about their sin other than believing in Jesus Christ to be forgiven for their sins. There's all of these other thoughts out there. And somebody tonight has something else on their mind about sin. And it's minimizing sin and minimizing the consequences. And it's watering down what, or just abolishing or forgetting what God's word says about it. And look, look, that's what the natural mind does. God's ways and God's thoughts are far above ours. And so the natural mind is in disagreement with God. So therefore, it's, it's simple to understand that the natural mind has different ideas about this sin situation than God does. But for anyone out there tonight who has a different thought about this, look, the human race is not improving. You're not waiting around for some great finale for the human being to evolve into. It's, it's not going to happen. We cannot be taught. Out of our trespasses. It's just not going to happen that way. It doesn't happen in the mind. It happens with the soul. It happens with our heart. Science will never solve our sin issue. Our surroundings cannot take the blame. Sin dwells in our flesh. We can't psych ourselves above it. It's, it's not going to happen. And religious routine and ritual is never going to rid us of our sin. We can do what one would call religious works all of our lives. And sin will not be dealt with. Nor will there be fellowship with God. But there's good news. For somebody tonight. Because there is a plan that works. There is a plan that has been put together. And it's not by man. It's a plan that works. It's a plan that's been given from God. That we might be forgiven for our sins. That anyone can have a place to dispose of their sin. And dispose of their guilt. It can be given to God and he will cast it as far as the east is from the west. Understand that that is not a place, that is a direction. It will be as far from you as you could possibly imagine. And then some, there is good news in God's plan because, because Jesus is the place to go. Jesus is is the answer. Jesus is the answer for all the division that is going on on this earth right now. Man can come up with everything they want and man can complain about everything he wants to, but Jesus Christ is the answer. 
Paul said that Jesus is looking to bring all together in one. Jesus has the only successful plan to bring all together in one in him. Read it in Ephesians chapter 1. That is what Jesus Christ will do. The only answer is salvation in Jesus. To look to Jesus, to see our sin, and to be saved from our sin through the Lord Jesus Christ. And then to have this beautiful plan to rid us of our sin. To confess our sins to God. And to walk in fellowship with God daily. That's where joy is. That's That's where unity is in life. He is faithful and he's just to forgive us and to cleanse us. There is no such thing as taking too much sin to Jesus. There is no such thing as Jesus running out of cleansing power because his blood. You think about all the evil and the wickedness in the world. Jesus's blood Faith at Romans 3 says faith in his blood. Jesus' blood cleanseth us from all of our sins. And it's for everyone. Jesus is the place to go. And his blood is what washes us white as snow. There's no such thing as too much sin to take to Jesus. But let me qualify that with this. When we take all of our sin to Jesus... We're going to be taking less sin to Jesus. Because in this plan of God's. Whenever we take our sin to him. And we agree with him. And we give it to him. There's something that goes on through this process that God knows for his children. That's going to bring about less sin. Where we are going to. We, we said. What did we say? I'm a sinner. I sin. And, and we still do. This flesh still has it. But we're going to sin a lot less. I'll tell you something. When I was lost, I was involved in an ongoing sin that I couldn't quit. It beat me up all the time. It was going to wash my family right away from me. I haven't committed that sin one time since I've been saved. I've got my, my, it's all in my flesh to commit others, but I haven't committed that one. We sin a whole lot less. We sin, but we're going to sin less when we take these things to Jesus. And this is for everyone. Anyone can come to the Savior by grace, through faith, and be saved from all their sins. Have a place to dispose sin. And I remember that guilt. I remember that dark cloud of guilt for 32 years in my life. I remember it. I, I, I passed it off and I tried to ignore it. But looking back, I remember that guilt. Jesus lifts all our guilt. That's what happens when we get saved. There's forgiveness in him. And the child of God can have daily fellowship with the Father. Let us close in a word of prayer tonight. I'm going to ask Bubba Mills if you'll close us, sir.